Welcome to Jamie's Corner Podcast. This is a show where we talk about veganism, spirituality, animal rights, friends, family, struggles. I don't know. I kind of use this as my own therapy session, you know, just talking things through, really. So let's have some fun. I interview a lot of different activists, yogis, nutritionists. We got some doctors on here, veterinarians. You name it, just a lot of really great people. So thanks for joining me. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. And very quickly, I started realizing what kind of a struggle running a sanctuary is. It's a lot of fun to be with animals. It's a lot of fun to engage. It's a lot of fun to feel that we are doing something for them. And at the same time, I realized it. So this is hard work by people who are putting it all the life without having money. They don't have money. So, and then I decided to create an organization. What the hell is up? My name is Jamie Logan, and today I have Faidik on the podcast who is going to talk about his new organization, Vegan Stay. Have you guys ever been on vacation and had issues finding food or vegan options? Well, this is the new organization for you. Picture a vegan Airbnb. This is a new website that you can go to, veganstay.com, where you can actually type in where you want to go and it'll match you with a sanctuary, a yoga resort, something that is 100% plant-based and vegan. So definitely go check it out. And the best part is that it helps to support sanctuaries because a percentage of the proceeds goes to the sanctuaries. I mean, this is brilliant. So I'm so excited to have Faik on the podcast. He's going to talk all about this new organization. Go follow them at VeganStay. Again, it's VeganStay.com. Book your next vacation there through them. I'm at It's Jamie Logan and also at It's Jamie's Corner. So without further ado, thanks so much for listening, guys, and let's get into it. Faik, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to have you because I really, really love what you're up to. I think this is the future of vegan travel. I'm sick of going, you know, away and just finding few options in the area or not being around any good vegan restaurants. It's really an issue. Here you come into play. I think the world really is changing. And even going to a store, I mean, I, I go to the local stores here and Every week there are new vegan options. Uh, I think it's really catching up the idea of veganism for all kinds of reasons. And I think it's about time that we provided a solution that uh, made vegan travel the fun and uh, a rewarding experience it should be. Absolutely. And so for people that don't know you, who are you? What do you do? You're a man of all sorts. You're an entrepreneur. You're an astrophysicist. You're a professor. I mean, what what don't you do, right? So introduce yourself and uh, give us a little background. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jamie. So uh, for me, I mean, what I do for a uh, for a full-time job, uh, at, at least as of now, I mean, I am a university instructor, physics and mathematics, and I am an astrophysicist by training. And my field of uh, speciality is uh, cosmology. I study clusters of galaxies, their collisions, and how that helps us understand properties of dark matter. And uh, I'm very, very passionate about 
uh, veganism and about activism and about making this world a more compassionate place for animals and humans alike. I think it's profoundly intertwined. So I'm trying my best to provide a solution that is going to sort of engage that particular particular angle. That's amazing. Wow. And so how did you even start to make the connection? What was the first thought in your mind about going vegan or animal rights? So initially I, I became vegetarian. That was on my first semester of college in the United States. So when I came to America, I came from Algeria 22 years ago. So I went to college and in Algeria, I mean, meat is a treat. You eat meat once in a while. You don't eat meat daily. It's just a uh, maybe, maybe the super rich because meat is very expensive. And not just that. In the United States, it should be very expensive. And the reason that it isn't is just because it's subsidized. And that's a very different story. So the, the very sight of meat, so much of it, even at breakfast time the, at the university dining hall, was a little bit uh, a strange thing to see. So then I am walking into the dining hall, have lunch, I came out. I remember that day very, very clearly. There were some animal rights activists tableting. And then they were showing a video about vivisection and there was a monkey. And then the monkey was surrounded by a number of uh, researchers. And so I, I didn't know what that was all about. So because the concept of, the, the, um, I mean, well, veganism, vegetarianism, animal rights was completely alien to me. So I just walked in and then I looked, I turned around and as I did, I saw the fear in the monkey's eyes. And I decided to become vegetarian right then and there, uh, thinking that being vegetarian, all that was needed, not killing animals is all that was needed, as long as we eat, you know, the organic eggs and the free range or drink meat from uh, the happy cow on the green pasture and all of that, that's fine. And then, so I continued that way for the next, I would say 16 years until about five years ago. And then the, the issue came up again. And then I just, I started digging a little bit deeper. I very quickly made the connection that, whoa, wait a second. There is, there is a very, very dark side to the other industries, to the dairy industry in particular. And I was realizing they were all the, at different aspects of the same thing that is based on oppression and exploitation. And I became vegan and, veget and, and animal rights activists at the same time. So to me, they were one, to me personally, in my journey, they were one and the same thing because I cared so much about animals. And I just realized that what we do to them, we are just so, so, so deep at the dark of the night. And we think that we have progressed. And, you know, this, you hear this myth about social progress. And, and I'm just realizing that as far as our relationship with the rest of the natural world, we are going in the opposite direction. We are actually becoming more barbaric by the hour. And I decided to become uh, an activist and do something about it. So, yeah. So that's awesome. I mean, I think it's so hard when you live in a world where these products are pushed down our throats from the time we're born. It's every advertisement. It's, you know, something that's so widespread. And it kind of begs the question, how could something so widespread be so horrific and so barbaric if everybody's doing it? Our parents are doing it, our friends and family, like it's, it's, and they still are doing it. So it's like, why are we able to make the connection? And some people aren't. It's really hard to understand that, right? So it is, it is, and it is not at the same time. 
because there are complexities in human experience. That is, every one of us has a particular journey that takes us to particular places. But there is also predisposition. And I have always had a predisposition towards being open-minded and toward being empathetic. So I was ready. So as I was telling you, initially, I became vegetarian on the spot, first semester in college when I heard about the concept. I was like, okay, yeah, sign me up. And so I have had certain tendencies that made it easier. And I think people are different in terms of their personal history, their life history, as well as their own predispositions. And these come in such a complex and subtle way that sometimes it's hard to know who's going to become vegan and who's not. What do you find were the challenges? I mean, back when you were in college, I'm sure there weren't a lot of vegetarians because even 10 years ago, there was not as many vegans or vegetarians for sure. So what was that like socially for you? It was a combination of things. Uh, So some people found it a little bit strange. What does it mean not to eat meat? And the idea of talking about animals, wait, Animals, are we supposed to care about animals? What's wrong with this guy? And so back in the time, even vegetarianism, let alone veganism, veganism even to me that then looked looked a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. So, but even vegetarianism looked a little bit strange. And many people around me were thinking that it was a phase in my life. You know, I, I was just a rebellion phase, a rebellion phase, and then I would, I would outgrow it eventually. Uh, but there are people who are very sympathetic. And when I was talking about animals, some people were really ready and willing to, to listen. If, even if they were, even if they continue to eat meat, they were sympathetic. They, they could understand. They could see why somebody would make that choice. Yeah. And I feel like you get a mix. Sometimes there's people that are re- ready to listen. And I go out on the street and I speak to people and ask them questions. And sometimes you're met with a lot of resistance and a lot of people feeling guilty and having that internal reflection. And I always say a reaction is better than no reaction at all. And sometimes it's like you're striking a chord within them and getting them thinking. Because when you change your lifestyle and your diet, you have to look internally and say, all my life, what I was doing was immoral and ethically wrong. That's what you have to say to yourself. And that's really sometimes difficult for people. Absolutely, it is. Because human beings are very complex. And part of the complexity is that we are tribal as well as egotistical creatures. So we are asked to do things that go against our tribal instincts and our egotistical instincts. That is not very easy for humans to do. We are asking something that is not easy. Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about your activism journey? So what kind of activism do you do? And then talk about the activism you're getting into now with your business and your entrepreneurship. Initially, I started going to events organized by Animal Safe. Uh, A friend of mine, the uh, president uh, of Vig- uh, Sacramento Vegan Society, Mid- Mid- Linda Middlesworth, very dear friend of mine. We used to go together, drive, and they happen at night, and we bear witness to pigs going into slaughter, into slaughterhouses. Uh, it was about an hour drive. It was at night. And we see these creatures, these extremely sensitive and intelligent beings, before they go into their final moments when they are babies. It was incredibly hard. It was, it was, it was traumatizing. It was, that was, I realized very quickly that was not sustainable for me. 
bearing witness is extremely important. But I think that kind of event is more useful for somebody still waking up. I already know. Then I decided, what can I do with that knowledge? How do I take it now and turn it into something meaningful to the animals and for the animals? So if, if I am a potential ally, if all that's going to happen is for a potential ally to be put out of battle, what good is that for them? So let me do something that is going to be useful. And I started volunteering at Animal Place, which is a sanctuary here in Grass Valley, about an hour away. And then very quickly, I started following uh, Animal Place on social media. And in fact, I created a Facebook account just when I became vegan. I didn't, I hadn't have one before. I, it's not social media on something that I really cared much about. And I started following them. And then I started following a couple of other sanctuaries because I met the, I met, I met the founders at, at events. And very quickly, I started realizing what kind of a struggle running a sanctuary is. It's a lot of fun to be with animals. It's a lot of fun to engage. It's a lot of fun to feel that we are doing something for them. And at the same time, I realized that so this is hard work by people who are putting it all online without having money. They don't have money. So and then I decided to create an organization that's going to support them and make it as a nonprofit so that they could profit entirely from it. Very quickly, I realized that that wasn't the right model. Well, because it's clearly it's, it engages in profitable work, and therefore uh, I have to create is another structure. So I settled, I settled for even though I made it as a company, but I created it in such a way that it is a hybrid with a very strong ethical mission, and the business is entirely subordinated to that. And and one thing also I have noticed when I started. Uh, communicating with uh, sanctuary founders, they are overwhelmingly women. So they are overwhelmingly women. So the story had acquired another dimension. Take a look, go online, take a look at the salaries of the CEO of McDonald's and Burger King and Tyson Foods. They are all, they are all men. I'm not, well, I'm a man, I'm not saying something, but it's an observation worth taking a look at. Well, they're making $5 million and more. And these companies now are the ones actually creating things vegan. So they are capitalizing on this vegan revolution and this new trend while making money out of uh, money of exploiting animals at a time where this population of overwhelmingly conscientious intelligent, credibly empathetic women. There are some men, there are some exceptions, but overwhelmingly, I think it's a, it's a female population going descending into hell to help these creatures with very little struggling day in and struggling day out. And this model, the way that we, so this look double thing. There is the injustice against animals and an injustice, economic injustice against the people that help them and by inviting and by empowering them. So I invite them as partners into the vegan space. So uh, by providing a service, needed service in this vegan space and inviting the sanctuaries to partner with me, partner in the sense that they would be receiver, receivers of somewhere between 50 and 100% of the profit the company makes so that they can spend more of their very precious energy and time into 
where it should go to, which is saving lives and educating the public about the need to treat animals as a sentient beings they truly are. I mean, running a sanctuary is, it's the amount of work that goes into it, it's hard to even describe. I mean, I volunteer at a sanctuary here in the tri-state area. It's called the Skylands. It's in Jersey. And I love going. It's almost very healing and therapeutic for me as an activist to be around happy animals. And But the amount of work in just one day just as a volunteer is exhausting. And then I can't even imagine seven days a week, you know, 24 seven, they don't stop. I mean, Mike, the sanctuary owner and his girlfriend, Mary, they're out even on rescues at sometimes four in the morning. It's hard to even fathom. So I think that more businesses should be doing this type of model, this. And so I guess let's talk about guests. So you go on the Vegan Stay website, you go and you can look where you want to travel. And what comes up? Is it only sanctuaries? Is it also vegan Airbnbs? What's, yeah. Correct. So what comes is a list of all the stays. And the stays are divided into two different types of stays. They all appear together unless you select which one you're looking for exactly. So there are vegan stay and there is sanctuary stay. When a sanctuary stay lists with us, the sanctuary gets the rental 100% and they get 100% of the service fee that the vegan stay charges. When an BNB lists and they choose a sanctuary, one of the sanctuaries that have partnered with us. Now, as of now, we have 60, 60 sanctuaries partnered with us from 15 countries. So you choose, you choose one of them. The, the vegan host gets 100% of the rental and a sanctuary gets 50% of the service fee as a result of that person choosing them. So at other platforms like, or on other platforms like Airbnb, Airbnb gets all that service fee in all, under all circumstances. But here, the, sanctu- the sanctuary either gets either gets 100% of it or 50% of it, depending on whether it is a sanctuary stay or a vegan stay. That is so cool. I think that this is an amazing business model. And I almost want to, if you're not connected with Mike at Skylands already, I have to connect you because he's working on building a place where people can come and stay and have a tour of the sanctuary. And so I'll definitely connect you with him. Absolutely. I would love to. Uh, we are, yeah, we, the, the Lucy Claire is uh, the member of my team who is conducting sanctuaries and she has been contacting all sanctuaries uh, that, uh, that, that she can. So we, we, we do some research to, you know, to, to end up uh, contacting the right types of sanctuaries because you know, there are all ty- it's easy to disguise as a educational organization helping animals where in fact it, uh, they are some kind of zoos in disguise. But I know that, mm-hmm. that, is, that it, I know that is one of the very, that is one very legitimate sanctuary and actually I'm looking forward to connecting with them. Um, and uh, yes, please do. I, I, I would look forward to talking to Mike. And you know, when I was talking about this space being female, not exclusively, of course, there are some, some amazing compassionate men. But just an observation worth noting is that, that women, uh, uh, women are the, 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 the majority of the people doing the really hard work, groundwork. And I think they deserve, they deserve to be funded by the vegan revolution that they created so that they could help more animals and they have more time to educate people so that this revolution accelerates because we sorely need a world where we are not asking a question whether 
we should torture and murder a sentient being or not. That shouldn't be a discussion, but it is. Well, as long as it is, we have to do something about it. Yeah, and education is one way of activism that we can start changing people. It's a domino effect. It's like you change one person, then that one person goes and changes people in their circle. And we just need to get to that tipping point of about, I think it's like five or 6% of the population, where then it really starts to spread. But right now, we're still about 1% worldwide. So... And it's one of those things, too, with sanctuaries where people don't realize that hay alone at a sanctuary with over, you know, 100 head of animals can be $10,000 or more a day. A day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it's incredibly, it's incredibly, incredibly expensive. And and here is a sad thing. So... These incredibly empathetic people, these very, very precious souls, they really are. Usually, it's that this is the type of person that starts a vegan animal sanctuary. What happens? They go in there. They risk their own psychological health. They put it all on the line. And then, and then they function as professional beggars to be able to keep the animals fed and safe at a time where they are creating a vegan revolution that is making profit for companies that are still exploiting animals with CEOs that are making millions of dollars. Tell me what is the justice in that? I don't think there is any. And we have to do something about it. And you are, and you are doing something about it. And it's, we're coming to a point where we need to start making better decisions and better choices because we are at the most pivotal point in history where it matters the most where we when we look at our environment what we're doing to our planet we have to make these choices and these changes now immediately it's urgent otherwise our children and our children's children will not have a future here and so we need to start acting fast and i think funding is super important and you 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 see a lot of people that will say well why are you supporting animals? There's people that need help. And I feel like it's such a dumb argument because it's like, well, it's not one or the other. Why can't we support all? And animal rights do relate to human rights. When you look at the people that live by these factory farms, people that work in slaughterhouses. Talk a little bit about that. Have you heard that pushback a little at all? I have heard lots of pushbacks. And the funny thing about these pushbacks, the only thing they show is how little people have invested time and thought into any of these very important subjects. For example, oh, but plants have feelings too. So when somebody tells me that, I know I'm going to have a very long night ahead of me trying to even get them to a place to see what the argument is about. So these pushbacks usually are, they aren't arguments. So if they were arguments, I would sit down and it's okay. It's okay for somebody to disagree with me and we can have a conversation, but they aren't arguments. These are psychological defenses. These are um, the cultural conditioning talking. Look, I don't want to change because I really love my comfort zone. That's what the person is telling you, really. It's, it's not an argument. It's not, it's not a very serious argument because for two reasons. I'll tell you for two reasons. The same people who care about animals usually care deeply about people. And the other thing, and the other thing, to me, I believe that this issue... Of our once people tell you, what well, what would you care about animals? So 
there, may, there is a tacit assumption that animals are not worth caring about in the first place. So, um, and and uh, when I say I care about animals, when I say when I say about well, when I say I care about social justice issue, this issue, and it doesn't mean to the exclusion of anything else. At this moment, I'm talking about this particular issue. And and I think our relationship with animals really is the central pivotal problem. It is the source of a lot of what is wrong with the world. For example, people are trying to accomplish peace. I don't think they can. That's quiet, not having war. That's quiet. For some time, and they stop a war here, another one explodes over there. Why? We have made them a lot more likely because the way we cheapen life, if we reintroduce this concept of the reverence of life, if we... I, I find it incredibly hard, somebody who sees a cow or a pig as something sacred, something wholesome, something worthy, is going to go visit a sanctuary, then go drop a bomb on someone. It's quite unlikely. So, so yeah, that, those, those psychological defenses are, it just shows me, to me, the only thing it tells me is the depth of the mindless, mindless psychological conditioning of that person and their state of mind. When somebody says that, what, very clearly it's absurd, very clearly. But they're not saying it because it makes sense. They, they, I mean, all of us, When I, if I tell you something about, let's say, Japanese culture, I've never been there. I don't I haven't, not think about it much. It's not something that's immediate in my life. If I say something and I want to have an opinion about it, I'm going to say something that doesn't make any sense because I don't know anything and I haven't thought about it. The same thing. It just tells you how little people think about this stuff. When, so the, that's the first thing that comes to their mind. And sometimes, very unfortunately, people think that that is the knockout blow. Oh, uh, how about people? Or plants have feeling feelings. They think, okay, I got it. Now I could get them to shut up. This is a knockout blow. And and that just really tells you really how little people thought about this. I mean, they think they're so original, all of them. They think I haven't heard these excuses. I'm like, I can predict exactly what you're going to say two minutes before you say it, sweetheart. Like I have, I've heard it all. <laughs> but exactly. it really... It really goes to show the disconnect. And that's why I think by with the Vegans Day, by connecting people with sanctuaries and allowing them to actually see the animals not on their plates, not dead on their plates, where the animals are alive, where they have personalities, where they're living a life free from exploitation and suffering can really help connect people back with their innate true heart. I don't think people really want to hurt animals. They just don't think about it. And they're just disconnected from it. Absolutely. Animals now are an abstract. An abstract. For most people, they run their lives or many, many years. They don't really run into an animal besides dogs and, and, uh, and uh, cats and you know, domestic animals. It's not something people think about that when they come in contact, they don't come in contact with the process of killing an animal, exploiting an animal. They go to the supermarket. It's all clean for them in... Uh, plastic crap, but they pick it up and they pay and that's it. That's the, the contact. Of course, there is a disconnect. But when they go to a sanctuary, and that's the whole idea here, is freeing sanctuaries financially and logistically so that they can do more of these things, so that they have now resources to go and tablet at events that are not necessarily vegan for vegans. 
people are curious. And then the thing is that I, I have a profound belief that people are capable of change. I'm capable of change. I wasn't vegan. I didn't see it. There was a time, even as a vegetarian, I thought vegans were extreme. That was yeah. me, That was just, let's me say, too. six years ago. Yeah. So we change. And to me, I would love to not give up on people because I believe that people are capable of change. I'm capable of change. I'm sure many, many people are capable of change. And I have seen it. I have seen people around me willing to, to engage and willing to listen. And yeah. So if somebody wants to, if somebody's a sanctuary owner and wants to partner with the Vegan Stay, what do they have to have set up at the sanctuary for the guests? What is the guest experience like? If they want, okay, so let's let's make this one very clear. They, to partner with the Vegan Stay, they don't have to have accommodations. They don't. Because remember that we can support them by having people uh, be uh, people, it's either individuals or beds and breakfast, choose them to receive 50% of the service fee. So they don't have to have an accommodation. If they have an accommodation, of course, that helps them make more money, but they don't have to. The, so part, it's not, a partnership is not contingent on having a, uh, an accommodation. Accommodation, of course, it helps them. And particularly when they sit on the vegan stay and uh, people, uh, make reservations and there are sanctuaries that have seen reservations for the vegan stay and so then they get to keep the service fee on top of what they make so that sort of magnifies the money that they make uh that would make otherwise so well, what is an example of an accommodation like what is that oh all kinds of things so if you go to the vegan stay for example you would see that is one sanctuary has a covered wagon this sanctuary in florida covered wagon another sanctuary has a little bit small hat so sanctuary in Scotland, a little bit small hat. Uh, there are older sanctuaries that have just uh, an RV. So there are sanctuaries that have a house. There are all kinds of things, anything imaginable. Sanctuaries that have glamping. There's a sanctuary in North Carolina set up tents for glamping. That's what they have. So it's really not that hard to set up an accommodation. And to, particularly if there is a little bit of land and uh, and uh, and a number of sanctuaries that have partnered with us, they don't have, but they actually got really excited about about uh, having accommodations. And one sanctuary in Scotland, Tribe Animal Sanctuary Scotland, uh, outside of Glasgow, they got really excited. With, uh, it's the first sanctuary that signed up. It's the first sanctuary that made the reservation, uh, reservations to the website. So they are considering now adding a second hat to, to the, on their property uh, as a result of them joining the vegan stay. So it's very, very exciting for us, you know, to see something like that. What about activities? So the people stay there and then during the day, do they have tours? Do the sanctuaries have to provide them with that? How does that work? No, it's entirely independent. So now we will be adding experiences also, but that's independent of the accommodation. So there are some sanctuaries, like uh, there is one sanctuary, uh, uh, Jungle Friends in Florida, a sanctuary for, um, for monkeys abandoned as well as monkeys retired from experiments. So they would require somebody who stays, who stays at that accommodation to go and visit the sanctuary. So, but that is usually not, usually that's a little bit uh, on the minority side. Most sanctuaries is just, you get to stay there. Of course, you're encouraged to go and see, uh, visit the sanctuary, but it's independent. It's not contingent on it. But the sanctuaries are completely free to set up the terms of staying there. But as just a general observation, they so far what I have seen is that they usually do not require you to visit the sanctuary. Even though people who come stay there, they stay there to see the sanctuary. 
Got you. Okay, that makes sense. Very cool. So there's, it really just depends on what sanctuary that you pick, where you go to. So where are some of the locations people can choose from? Okay, for now, Hawaii, Costa Rica, United States, Canada, Glasgow, India, Australia, New Zealand, Europe. There is a, a sanctuary for donkeys from the Netherlands just joined us. Oh my God, you had me at Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I will be there next yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. So there is one in Big Island, uh, Big Island Sanctuary. And there is one that joined us from Mallorca. It's a, a Spanish island in the Mediterranean. And they will be listing this week. And uh, yeah, so it's it's amazing locations all over the world. And we have been, we have, we launched just five months ago. So you could imagine after a year, two years, what kinds of offerings will be there. So, oh, my, and it, this is it's amazing because every time I travel, I just will look on Airbnb or I'll look, you know, on on Google. And it's sometimes just very hard to find and it's hard to dissect. Well, is this a place that might have animals that are exploited? I remember looking on Airbnb and my boyfriend and I were going to go to a trip upstate for the weekend and I saw this really cute place with a bunch of animals but then it's like this whole deep dive investigation oh well is this a farm is this a sanctuary like what is this and we didn't end up going because I didn't want to support something that would was exploiting them so this is I think you know with the vegan stay this is something that is going to blow up it's it's already so are people already staying at these locations yeah, 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 absolutely. There is so there are the it's still it's still picking up, but there is one sanctuary, like for example, animal sanctuary. Uh, I mean, uh, tribe sanc uh, tribe sanctuary at uh, Scotland, tribe animal sanctuary Scotland, outside of Glasgow. They are so they are closed until until April. They are getting reservations now for the summer for July. People are reserving for July and June, and yeah. That is so incredible. Wow. Well, if you guys, if somebody's listening here and you're either a sanctuary owner or you're somebody that wants to visit a place and you know of a sanctuary to put Faik in touch, you know, get, let's connect, you know, because this is, it's super excited and so needed, honestly. So what, what are some tips uh, and advice that you have for vegans, activists, things that have maybe helped you in your personal life as we fight this, this big fight? Absolutely. So there are paths. There are paths that are highways to burnout and to PTSD. And to, I mean, PTSD ultimately is an injury to the soul. That's what it is. I mean, but our bodies sustain injuries and so do our souls. And once we are injured in that way, we are out of the fight. And all that happens is that animals are going to lose a, an ally. Sometimes it's extremely important for us, I mean, I mean all the time, but there are some particular times when, when we become really vulnerable to self-righteousness. So we would like to be a martyr. I, it's really awesome. I would become a, mar a martyr. Sometimes it's needed, but there are times it's for our own sake. I just want to be the martyr, you know, go out there and, you know, get martyred and be out. But that's not very helpful for the animals. What they and and also not to people, not to put people away and not to give up on people. People change. It takes time. Sometimes we don't know. We do not know 
that we have planted a seed and we have. There was a time when I actually had uh, just a conversation. I made cookies for my students and I just, just tradition that I had when I was a TA at UC Davis. And and I just mentioned that, oh, guys, by the way, this is, I told them what the dietary restrictions were and I told them these are vegan and they are this and this and that. And so, and then two of my students started talking to me about veganism. They are their twins. So we started talking. And then a year later, they said, oh, Fike, do you know, we've become vegan now. We love it. And that was just as a result of the cookie that was just, I just made them just for my student to, before the final, to give them encouragement. And that conversation showed up. And I completely forgot about it until I ran into them a year later. So we don't really know. And then it's extremely important to avoid the trap of, as I said, of tribalism, of making this about us, the tribal, the, okay, I need an identity. I need something to make me feel self-righteous. So let me grasp on this thing and let me, let me uh, create that solid boundary. Us and them. No, 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 no. So the boundary is very porous. I was them yesterday. I'm us today. And we, this is about us and us. Some us that have seen the light, some us of us are still trying, are learning about it. So that's what this is about. And ultimately it's about the victims. This is about the animals and finding ways, finding ways, volunteering at sanctuaries, for example, it's incredibly empowering because we feel we are doing something that is actually useful. And, uh, and all the energy is needed. Uh, and so, so it's extremely important. Uh, and plus self-care. A, r- a routine of self-care is incredibly, incredibly critical. I think that that is such good advice. This is Toast. Toast is coming to join us. She's <laughs> she's she's the co-host for today's episode. I think it's very appropriate. She loves the attention and she's definitely got a loud voice <laughs> for this kind of thing. So yeah, can you g- give me a second, please? And so, yeah, I think that that's really, really good advice. And I think so often we have activists that either get caught up in the drama of certain things and the focus does stray from the animals. And I think that that's really important to remember who the victims really are in this situation and that we need to be here for the long run. So if it means taking a vacation with vegan stay and going away for a week and just disconnecting from social media, disconnecting from everything. I think do it because we do suffer from PTSD as activists. I mean, as you were saying, I would, I've been to the vigils, you know, I was used to go every other week in college and it's just, it it makes you feel hopeless and devastated. And, you know, you go into these slaughterhouses and it's just, it almost feels so overwhelming. And I'm sure as a sanctuary owner, it's like, you know, you have these people that are helping hundreds and hundreds of animals, but there's billions being killed by the year. So it's like, it never feels like enough and we have to do what we can, right? Exactly. But there is that animal that's in front of us. I mean, of course, outside of our realm, outside of our control, there is just so much misery. And then it's very, it's, it's a real, it's, it's a real, it's a fact. But there is also the animal in front of us that we have made a difference for. And I think that is really worth something. And I just wanted to also mention, you said something, you take time off and go on, you know, vegan stay. That is really, really the key here because now you can do activism, the medium. So because the vegan stay is a hybrid of activism and business. So you go in that. So somebody has a vacation. You're just having a vacation. If you go through Airbnb, if you go through the vegan stay, because every night, part of either all of the service fee, either all of it or half of it. So somewhere between 50% and 100% of the service fee 
goes to supporting animals. So you're supporting animals even as they're taking a vacation. So those two aspects of someone's life come together and it brings them together. And I think this is the power of this idea. I don't think traveling will ever be the same for me. Now I, I'm so excited. I want to look and see what's going on in Hawaii. Absolutely. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the uh, big island sanctuary, so they have an accommodation. They're just getting it ready. They have not listed yet, but they will this year. They at some point later this year. But they still our partner for the same reason. And then there will be a, a beds and breakfast around them in Hawaii. But they will be there also. So they're planning on actually listing it. So cool. And maybe, you know, you could even volunteer one of the days, like if you are an animal rights person. Absolutely. And you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There are all types of arrangements that you could make with them. And in fact, there is a, um, a sanctuary, the one in Mallorca in Spain. So that's, they do require for somebody to stay to actually volunteer a certain number of hours a day for a minimal uh, number of days, which, which, which is that this is how they set it because it's, this is how it benefits the sanctuary the most and which, which is perfect. Somebody who would love to be around animals, go, go to that beautiful place, spend a few hours in the morning helping, helping out, being around animals and yeah. And it's like when you think of Airbnb, you think of, okay, you're using this as a place to stay, but, you know, being in whatever area you are, you can also explore and it's not like you're stuck to that one place. So I think that this is such a great idea. I think it's amazing. It's a way that is going to is sustainable. It's something that's constantly giving back to the community. It's connecting people all over the world. And I always find that like when I meet another vegan or somebody that is an activist, especially, you just immediately have that connection. It's like, oh, we get each other, you know, whether you're across the world, whether you're next door, it's like we already have that core, those core values. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think so, particularly people who come to it from an angle of compassion, because I call this the cognitive resonance. So people think, okay, if I, I hang out around people who are from the same country as I am or the same religion, some people even say, oh, I need to be around people who are, that are of my race, this and that. The truth is that we are individuals who happen to have all this, this sort of um, things imposed on us by birth, but ultimately is how we feel and how we think that really defines us. And when we run into somebody like that, regardless of what their background is, that resonance, I think, is a lot more profound and more meaningful than any other connection that comes from something that is purely an accident of birth. Yes, absolutely. And it's something that has connected me with the most amazing people that I wouldn't have otherwise found, except for through the movement. So was there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to yet today? I think we have touched on a number of incredibly important, incredibly important angles. And I uh, probably would invite people. I mean, uh, the only thing I think we have done it also, but I would like to emphasize to go to the www.theveganstay.com, check it out. Uh, please create profiles, support us on social media. We are, it's very easy to find on Instagram and Facebook. And if you are a founder of a vegan sanctuary, please feel free to contact uh, Faik, F, F as in Frank, A-I-K, at theveganstay.com. And I would love to meet you and talk to you. Oh, that's so great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited about this. I'm going to be booking my, my next stay very soon with the Vegan Stay. And until next time, guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. Bye. Bye.